want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. You know, I love to do all the things I just showed on screen there. I love going to Disney World skiing. I love, you know, I haven't surfed in a while. I need to, but I love going to the beach. The truth is, though, that, you know, it, when, when you're at the beach, you're not going to show up in ski gear. When you're skiing, you're not going to show up where you go to the beach. You're going to adapt to the environment. You know, you check the weather app on your phone, not because you say, I'm going to wear warm clothes today, so I am telling the weather to, to be cold. It doesn't work like that, does it? So ultimately, what's around you is going to win. Like what you surround yourself, whatever that is, is ultimately going to win. So I want to talk about how you can really change, and it really has a lot to do with your environments. And there's a couple of guys in the Bible that dealt with this, a guy named Daniel and uh, his three buddies. They, they had to deal with the fact that they were in a new environment, and they were trying to live for God in Babylon in a very, un, uh, a very lost culture, a culture that didn't believe in their God. And so much like our culture today, how do you live for God when you're in an environment where everyone isn't? How do you live differently when everyone is trying to get you to conform? So let's talk about that today. Pull out your notes if you will. I'm glad you guys are here today. Also, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thank you for coming and being a part of our services today. Today's message is called Change Fast. How can you change fast? The Bible actually says that you can change in the blink of an eye. That's pretty amazing that in the blink of an eye, we will one day be changed. And so there's all kinds of scripture that talks about change. How do we actually make those changes. But I found it interesting. I was reading Daniel this week in, in my one-year Bible, actually. And as I was doing that, it just hit me. I was like, Lord, this is the scripture for this weekend. And I was talking about change already, but Daniel was facing the fact that he was trying to honor God and the world was trying to change him to become like the world. And he was trying to become more like, more like the Lord. And so that's really where we are today as well, struggling through which one is going to win. So I want to share some scripture with you if I can. Before I do that, I want to pray. I really believe that this is a message that's going to speak to people today. And I just feel led to stop and pray for you, that God would just give you a real breakthrough today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the privilege we have to seek you. I thank you, Lord, that you are here in this place. I thank you, God, during our worship, Lord, just, just thank you, God, for our incredible uh, musicians and bands and, and, and the singers that just honor you with their lives. And Lord, I thank you, God, that they usher us into your presence. So Lord, we know you're here with us. And so we just want to stop and honor you tell you that we love you. And we pray, God, that your word would, would change us from within, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we would not simply read your word, but your word today would read us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So Daniel has a, a problem. See, here's what happened. So, so Babylon came and took over Israel. They, they had a war and, and won, and they came and took over Israel. And here's what that looks like. Normally a king would say, okay, I want these many people to stay in Israel, and I want you to continue to essentially farm the land, but, but now the prophets are going to go towards us. So basically it's modern-day slavery here is what's going on. But then they also did a little human trafficking on top of that, and they said, we're going to take the best and the brightest, take them with us and take them out of Israel and put them in Babylon and force them to work for us. And so that's what they did. So they grabbed some young men. And so let's pick up in the scripture and what is happening with Daniel and his buddies. It says, then King Eric, the, king, the king ordered Asphanaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for three years, and they would be entered into the royal service. So the king knew something that really makes change happen fast. And would you write this down? What he knew is this. Number one, if you want to change fast, change your surroundings. So he was trying to get them to go from, from being Israelites to becoming Babylonians. So he was like, we need to get them out of Israel. 
and have them immersed in our culture. Well, today, in today's world, we are immersed in culture. Think about that for a second. Even when we're not out and about with people, we have our phones in our hands. We're immersed with culture all the time. What's going on? What's the latest thing trending? We're following it on Twitter and on Instagram and you know, Snapchat or whatever you're on. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere, Facebook. The truth is, is that we're immersed in culture. We're watching television, we're watching Netflix. We're, we're, we're keeping up with the media. We're watching the news. And so we're immersed in culture all the time. The problem with that is eventually culture wins if you don't take the time to be immersed in the things of God as well. But if I was really to make rapid changes in your life, if I really said, I want to help you change drastically fast, I would immerse you. In other words, if you want to learn Spanish, you can go take a class, take a couple years, or we can just drop you in the middle of Mexico or Honduras for about six months, <laughs> and you'll learn real fast what the word for bathroom is. I need to know, what's the word for bathroom? I need to go, you know, they'll tell you, right? You're like, I need a little help here. And so you'll learn, you know, how to order food, right? Because otherwise you'll starve. I mean, you'll learn the words faster because you're immersed, right? That's how that would, would work. And so in the same way, your surroundings matter. So if you want to really grow in your faith, for one thing, be in church. Make sure you're here each week. Because if you'll do that, you'll begin to grow in Christ and you'll grow rapidly just by showing up regularly. You know, the average church attender in America, they've done some studies on this, the average church, in a, a church member in America attends church once every four to six weeks. And then we wonder why we're not growing in our faith and so they say they go every week, but they truly go once every four to six weeks. And so if I go to the gym once every four to six weeks, I shouldn't expect change. But if I were to go every single day for four to six weeks, then I probably would change, right? And so if I were to show up at God's house every single time it's open for four to six weeks, I can expect some change, right? If I were to eat salads for four to six weeks, it'll change me. If I eat Mexican food every day for four to six weeks, <laughs> it'll change me. <laughs> the truth is this is that we can rapidly change. It's what you immerse yourself with, isn't it? So what you're around, you know, I'm, I'm a Texans fan, and the reason why is I grew up in Houston. I mean, what choice did I have, right? I grew up in H-Town, right? But if I would have grown up in Dallas, Lord forbid, if that would have happened. <laughs> I sense some division in the body of Christ right now. I don't know what's going on. The truth is that what you're around, you tend to support, you tend to get into, right? So think about that for a second. So if, if you really want to live for, for God, then why are you going to the club on Friday night? Really hard to honor God there. Virtually impossible, right? And so there's certain places you just have to make a decision that you just can't go anymore. There's certain, certain places that you, you can't be around because you know when you go to those places, you do things that, that don't honor God. And so I just want to encourage you with this, that, that if you'll just make the right choices in your surroundings, everything changes. I know there's some prisoners that, that come to our God Behind Bars campus. We love our God Behind Bars guys. And, and, uh, but oftentimes they'll say to our pastors and our leaders at those different campuses, they'll say, man, it's just so hard to come here to church because it's just, you know, prison's so rough, it's so difficult. And I want to challenge you with that, that if, if, if that's you, or if you know someone who said that, this is what you need to say to them. Isn't the fact that it's difficult reason to come? Like, isn't that the very reason you should come and get hope once a week to know that Jesus is also behind bars and he's here and he's guiding you and he's leading you and you're not alone, that you still have hope? That's why you should go. But we have a tendency to believe, oh, oh just the world's just gonna win. I just can't take it. That's just not true. You, you can do it. I think it's interesting too in the scripture, it says here that the king, 
put these guys in training. So he takes Daniel and his buddies and he puts them under training. He says, let's train them in our ways and our literature, make them read all of our books, make them learn our language, make them eat our food, you know, put our clothes on them, all that. He said, let's do that for three years and they'll be ready to serve in the Babylonian kingdom. Three years. Hmm. Do you ever want to know like, how long does it really take to grow, to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, like to really mature in your faith? I would say, I would argue based not just upon what this says, but also Jesus. I mean, he's another one that took about three years. Jesus, but what's the first thing he did in his ministry? The first day of his ministry, he recruited a bunch of young teenage boys. That's what he did. He recruited them. That sounds all weird to us today, but that's because we forget that when you're a teenage boy at 13, you're already in your career. See, we're, we, we don't start till like, till like 21, 22 years old, but the truth is, is that they were already full-time fishermen. That some of, if you're 15, you're probably already married, have a kid. And so it's, it's just a different day and age. Keep that in mind. But he recruited all these young teenage boys that between 15 and 17 years old, basically, is what theologians tell us. And he said, you're going to be with me for three years. He recruited them, then he trained them in his ways for three years, sent them out two by two, oftentimes together, to go minister and to make a difference, those kind of things. And three years later, he died and rose again, and he ascended to heaven. So apparently, oh, and by the way, after that, he entrusted worldwide evangelism to 11 teenagers. And guess what? It worked. It worked very well. They changed the world. So apparently, if God can trust a snotty-nosed teenager from Israel with worldwide evangelism, he can trust you and me. Does that make you feel a little better about yourself? Like, whoa, 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 Jesus trusted who? He gave who? The, like, so just how many of you guys have a teenager in your house right now? Imagine Jesus saying, I'm putting all of evangelism in your hands. Right now, you'd be like, Jesus, what are you doing? I don't think you understand it. I don't think you thought this through. Right? You're like, are you serious? But that's what the Lord trusts us. He entrusts you and me. And so in about three years in, guess what? You can be fully cooked, man. You can be walking with God like crazy because that's how long Jesus did it. So I just want to encourage you with that to know if you've been walking, some of you are like, oh, I'm just new in the faith. I've only been walking with God for four or five years. Oh man, you're old hat. What are you talking about? Jesus would be like, you should have been on the, you should have been on the mission field two years ago, according to Jesus. So I just want to keep you, keep, keep that in mind, encourage, encourage you with that. But let me also just mention that if Jesus poured into young people, maybe we should recognize the need to do so as well. Speaking of immersion, our kids just got back from camp this week. Talked about being immersed in the faith. Wasn't that great? It was an amazing week. Just a few weeks before that, our students got back from camp as well. But I want to take a moment, you know, since Jesus poured into the next generation by raising up the, the, these young people to, to serve the Lord, let me just, I want to take a moment right now at all of our campuses. If you serve in our nurseries, uh, preschool, children's ministry, or youth ministry, I want to ask you to stand to your feet because we want to honor you for being like Jesus, for pouring into the next generation. Can we just honor these people who give their time? Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for what you do. You guys make a huge difference. You really do. In fact, did you know that 80% of people that, that find Christ before they die do so before the age of 18? 80%. So your chances of receiving Christ drop after you turn 18 to 20%. Wow. So we should really be investing in the next generation. Does that make sense? So I just want to tell you, we unapologetically believe in the next generation. We will fund it. We will make it happen. We will pour volunteers into it, leadership into it, time into it, energy into it, because we believe in the next generation around here. It's a big deal. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the difference you make. I can literally to this day name Sunday school teachers and youth ministers and volunteers that I still remember when I was a kid in my formative years that really poured into me. If I can still name their names, I promise you those kids would know your name too. 
And so thank you for the difference that you make. It's a huge, it's a huge deal. Now, I want to point out a couple other things here. So they went to Babylon. Babylon has a meaning. All these names have meanings. And so Babylon actually literally means the gate of the gods. Let me tell you why this is important. Because the king knew that if I'm ever going to get these guys who think they have the one true God, right? And so if, I, if I'm going to get these guys who think they have the one true God to, to, to actually follow our God, I got to bring them into our culture. Let me tell you something about the devil that you may not know. See, the devil is defeated. We know that, that Christ has, has given us victory over him. But that doesn't mean he's not smart. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. He's been around a lot longer than you and I, so he knows all the tricks of his trade to throw us, right? And so you need to, you, you need to I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that we should be scared of the devil, but we need to respect the enemy's gifts. Because believe me, he's got some things he can pull on you. How many of you guys know you've already experienced some of that? Right? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I already know some of that, right? I want to tell you something about the devil. The devil knows he's not going to get you to just one day denounce Christ. He knows he's not going to get you to wake up one day and go, I no longer believe the Bible. I no longer believe in God. He's, he's not going to get you to do that. So here's what he does. He introduces you to Babylon. Babylon means gateway of the gods. What he does is he's like, I'm not going to get you to denounce your God, but I'm just going to start introducing little gods in your life, left and right. So eventually, so many little gods that you have, you hardly recognize the one true God because you piled up all these little false gods all around him. So he's going to dilute your faith. Oh, I love Jesus, but I really like that girl over there. And I know she's not a Christian, but eh, it's, I mean, it's all right. You know, I still love you, Lord. I'm just going to start dating this person that doesn't honor God. Oh, I still love you, Lord, but I'm going to go to some other places that maybe you wouldn't be too cool with. But, eh, you know, I'm going to stick to my faith, but I'm just going to. So we just start slowly inching step by step. And eventually we're doing things that at first we feel really guilty about. We're like, oh, man, no, I should have done that. But then you do it again. You don't feel so guilty the second time. You do it again, you don't feel so guilty the third time. And eventually you're, you're way off from God. And so then you start saying things like this. I love these phrases. People say this. Well, you know, I used to believe the Bible. But you know, the Bible contradicts itself. No, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, bro. The Bible's contradicting you. And that's why you're trying to push against the Bible now. It's because you're not honoring God anymore. So what happens is we get far enough away from God, start doing things that are so far out of his will that either we look foolish saying we're still a Christian where people are like, you are? Really? Because I don't see any evidence of it. So it's so ridiculous far from where we were with God that it's just easier to say, I don't believe in God anymore. See, the devil doesn't get you to denounce Jesus. He gets you to introduce all, a bunch of little gods into your life. We have all kinds of little gods. You're like, Tom, I don't worship any other, any other god. Yeah, what you put your time towards, your energy towards, what you care about, what you value, what you put your eyes on regularly, those are your gods. We have a bunch of, I know guys that watch their god every weekend. I mean, we, now we have a pocket god. We wake up in the morning, pull it out of our pocket, and we worship it. I mean, wow, the dedication, devotion we have, it's amazing the amount of time we devote to a little pocket god, Right? It's incredible. And I'm not trying to say these are all bad things, but are they pushing out the one true God in your life? Is it crowding out the time you could have given to God? I just find it funny that people say, oh, I don't have time to get in the Word. That's funny because you're binging on Netflix, so you clearly have time. I mean, you, know, you watch four or five episodes in a row of something, right? Stranger Things, right? We're all up to date with that. <laughs> but we have no idea, right, what's going on with, with God's Word. I mean, we're all up to date on what's happening in the NBA draft. Man, we can tell you every little blow-by-blow -blow thing that happened, but, we, but do we know what's going on with God, right? And I'm all, listen, I'm, there's nothing wrong with his entertainment, but my point is, is that oftentimes we're crowding out God. And so, but I want to challenge you with this, to change your surroundings if you really want to change your life, because nothing can change you faster just by being in the right place. Right place, right time, with the right people, doing the right thing which means you avoid the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong people doing the wrong thing. And so I'll encourage you with this. Change your surroundings. It's a game changer. Number two, change your friends. 
Oh, that one hurts. I know. You're like, whoa, 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 what? You're telling me I should go to my friends and tell them I'm no longer hanging out with you. No, I would not recommend doing that. But I would recommend that if you have friends, you need to have some that are closest to you that are godly. In fact, I think it's interesting here. Look what happens in Daniel 1, verse 6. It says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these are his buddies, there were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. We're going to read those in a minute before we get to that. He says, they all were from the tribe of Israel. Okay, let me show you how great God is. God is such an amazing God that when, when he knows you're going to be in an environment where everyone in the entire place doesn't believe in your God, God is so good in his amazing grace, he will always allow a handful of people that will be in that same environment with you that are also believers. Isn't that good to know that? Like God, God's like, okay, I'll, I'll, even if you end up in a foreign land, I will make sure that someone from back home is with you that knows God. So I think it's interesting that God also in his grace allowed all these guys to be from the same tribe. They all knew each other. They're like, oh yeah, man. You know, they were like, tribe of Judah, baby. Let's do this, man. They're throwing their gang signs up. Yeah, man, <laughs> tribe of Judah, right? And so they, they were saying, we're all from the same crew. So I, I get you, you get me so we can connect. This is really important because you may say, well, I'm, in, I'm at college and everyone's partying, the whole place, right? I remember going to college. It was that way when I was there. And you said, well, how, how'd you avoid that? How'd you not party? I'll tell you how I did it. I went to a big state school, thousands of students. They were all drinking like fish. It was crazy. In fact, the school at the time I went to, went to Stephen F. Austin State, they, they had, um, I didn't even know about this, but I was told when I moved into the storm, they said, you know about this dorm you're moving into? I was like, I mean, it's a boy's dorm. I don't have no idea. They said, no, no, this dorm was ranked last year. So I'm thinking ranked like, oh, cool. It's going to be like some really great ranking. Apparently, and I never read this, but I heard, and everyone talked about it, that the dorm I moved into, somehow they rated these things, was the second biggest party dorm in the nation, according to Playboy magazine. <laughs> Preacher boy <laughs> moves in. <laughs> I'll never forget, like the first week, and I'm stepping over drunk people in the hallway trying to get to my room. I get in my room, my, my mom calls, house, house school? Oh, it's great, mom. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great, I'm learning a lot, I'm learning a lot. And so the truth is, is that there was a lot of that going on. So how did I honor God in the middle of all that? It's real simple. All I need was a few buddies. I just needed three or four people to honor God. So you may be in a high school situation. You may be in your division at work. Maybe you're, you may be where you work in the refinery or, you know, at the plant or, you know, where you're out in the oil patch. You say, man, every one of these guys are doing all kinds of stuff. But you know what? You only need a few. You just need three or four buddies to honor God. I talk to single people all the time, and they're always like, man, there's just no godly guys around here. There's just no godly girls around here. I'm like, well, how many do you need? You just need one, right? I mean, we don't need thousands, right? <laughs> and how about we don't look around anyways? Why don't we just get our eyes on Jesus and let him bring that person to you anyways? Because you and I know our pickers are broke. Let's not try to pick. <laughs> Let's let God bring someone. You know what I'm talking about? I said picker. Let me be real clear there. Picker was the word I used. <laughs> So the point is this, change your surroundings, change your friends. You've got to make a decision on who you're going to be closest to, and they need to be honoring God. I have a lot of friends that don't honor God, but the people I'm closest to honor God. I'm talking about your inner circle, the people on your favorites, right, on your phone. That crew needs to be honoring God because you will become like who you're closest to. When I have someone tell me, man, all my friends, a young person tells me, all my friends are having sex. I'm like, it's just a matter of time until you do. All my friends are smoking pot. Well, when are you going to try it? Because if they're all doing it, you're going to end up doing what they do. So you got to think about who are you hanging out with? Where are you around? Because you will do what they're doing. So are, are you feel like you're, all your friends are losers? <laughs> Trying to help you here. You want to have better grades? Hang out with people who study. 
You want to walk with God? Hang out with people who walk with God. Isn't this a great opportunity for you to be, be in a life group right here? If you really want to start to really turn your marriage around, just get around other healthy couples that are trying to honor God in a life group. If you're single and you're like, I really, it seems like all the singles I, that I hang out with want to go do all the wrong things, then get in a single life group. Get around people that are trying to honor God. Go to college night. It's incredible. You know, I, you say, well, there's thousands of college students doing the wrong thing. Well, I know there's at least 150 doing the right thing. I've seen them on Sunday nights honoring God. So there is a group for you. There are people for you. You've got to find the right people. And God in his infinite wisdom will always place people around you when you need them. The problem is we're not reaching out for them. So we've got to connect with them. Don't waste the resource God has given you of that person, you know, two seats over in class or, you know, two doors over at work that actually honors God. God will always place someone like that around you. Let me show you how the, the, the uh, Babylons changed their names because names have meaning in Scripture. So let me just go over these with you. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. They changed his name. Daniel means God is my judge. It was changed to protect the life of the king. That's what Belteshazzar means. So, and these are polar opposites. He's like, God is my judge. I'm worried about what God thinks. Now I need to be worried about what the king thinks. So these are polar opposites. Now look at this next one. Hananiah was changed to Shadrach. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious it was changed to I am fearful. And you may say, those aren't opposites, right? They actually are. In fact, let me talk about this for just a second if I can. If you are a fearful person, if you're always scared that the, you know, for the other shoe to drop, oh man, if you're anxious, you're worried, if you watch the news, you get up tight, and oh my gosh, our country's going down and it's horrible, and what's going to happen to our economy? If you're just nervous all the time, or you're worried about your kids all the time, what are they going to do? They're going to screw up, and they're going to do this. Oh my gosh, my marriage, my, 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 my money, I don't know what's going to happen. If you're just anxious, you're worried, if you're fearful of something going wrong all the time, you're always trying to protect from something going wrong. Can I tell you that probably means you grew up in a home with very little grace. I'm just telling you, because the opposite of someone who was given grace is to be afraid. Because if you weren't given grace, you were always fearful. I'm going to screw up and mom and dad are not going to like me. I'm going to mess up and I'm not going to be loved. The opposite of grace is fear. Does that help someone today? Let Jesus' grace fill you. So, but what if I screw up? And Jesus says, yeah, I, you are going to. That's why I came. Like, that's what grace is for, is that we screw up. We mess up. And you're going to mess up next week again. And then we get to that. And I'm going to give you my grace again. Because Jesus didn't save you once. He's still saving us every single day. <laughs> Receive his grace. It's good. Mishael was named to Meshach, what was changed to Meshach. Here's what those names mean. I am like the mighty one was changed to I am despised. By the way, when you begin to follow the Lord, if you are like him, you will be despised. It's funny how that works, but it's really true. If you begin to really walk with God, other people will despise you. Remember this, Jesus said, hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. If you try to be like me, you're going you're to be hated. So you just need to know going in, they're going to hate you. You can't be worried about what other people think all the time. I'm just telling you right now, if you're consumed with what other people think, that's become your God. You tell me who you're worried about, that's your God. You got to let go of that stuff. You can't be caught up in what other people think will drive you crazy. People tell me, Pastor Bill, I heard someone say something bad about you. I'm like, take a number. I don't have time. I'm too busy trying to reach people. I can't worry about that. If I worried about that, I would have I stopped while we're doing years ago. I mean, you, you just can't get consumed with that. What other people think about you is none of your business. You focus on what God says about you. What he thinks about you is what matters. <laughs> Honor him. Then the last one. The last one, Azariah's name was changed to Abednego. Azariah means Yahweh has helped or Yahweh helped me. It was changed to servant of Nebo. Now you may think that's not an opposite, right? Actually it is. Let me explain. Yahweh has helped me. We would say in the New Testament, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? 
with Jesus' help, there's nothing I can't do, right? In other words, whatever you're facing, you can overcome it, you can do it, you can rise in your life, you can rise economically, you can rise educationally, you can rise socioeconomically, you can rise any way you want, right? With Christ's help. But servant of Nebo, this is different because in their world, Nebo, their God, that they, it was a false god of Babylon, Nebo taught this. Nebo actually means uh, it's a set fate. Like I have a set fate. I'm a servant to my fate. And so you may say, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, who would believe that? That's so ancient. Oh, no, 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 no. That's still taught today all over around the world. Go to India. It's called the caste system. You're born poor. You're not allowed to leave that poverty. You're middle class. You're not allowed to become rich. I want to go to school and get education. Who's your last, what's your last name? Oh, no, your family, you're from this group. You're not allowed to have an education. That's how that works. So that's ridiculous, right? Oh, there's other parts of the world right now. Women, I'm sorry, ladies. You're no longer ladies. You're property. Cover your face. Not allowed to talk to us in public. I'm not agreeing with this. I'm trying to help you explain. This isn't ancient stuff. This happens every day. This happens right now. And they're not allowed to advance. They're allowed to drive. You know, in Saudi Arabia for years, you couldn't even drive. Did you know that? Like, it was illegal. It's amazing. I find it amazing that there are people in America that want to defend religions that push people, people down, that want to hold you back. I mean, give me a break. You can be offended all you want, but I'm not for anything that's trying to tell you to cover up and you can't speak and your property. And you can be offended as you want, but I'm telling you right now, that is ridiculous. Be offended. Be so offended you Google it and find out that I'm right. This is jacked up. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what the Bible tells us. You are free to do what God leads you to do. And don't you even try to bring that lack of freedom even into God's house, because according to God's word over and over again, I saw prophets and prophetesses. I saw women being used of God in a powerful way. So ladies, you are a massive part of God's work here as well in his church. So do not let people use our word, the word God gave us to try to keep you back. That's ridiculous. You do what God calls you to do because you are just as much a person that God wants to use as anyone else. I'm not about to try to shut down half of God's kingdom. Are you kidding me? And so I just want to encourage you, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom for you too. But you know what this tells me? This tells me that the world's trying to tell you you can't. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not young enough. You're not educated enough. You're just not enough. But God says you are enough in Christ. You are my child. You are my daughter. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. You, are, you have greatness in you. You have promise. You have potential. The world says you can't. God says you can. Don't let the world change your name. God says you are, the mighty, you are of the mighty one. God is your judge. He is gracious towards you. You can change. You can grow. Do not let the world tell you that you can't. Change your friends. Be around people that are going to honor you and lift you up and encourage you in the right direction. Your friends really determine who you become in a major way. Hey, listen, let me start real quick and tell you next week. I'm excited about next week's message. I'm going to be delivering a formula that always works. It really does. It's in the Bible. The formula will help you succeed, achieve, or accomplish whatever it is that you're lacking. It's very simple. In fact, it's going to shock you how simple it is. I want to challenge you to be here next week for that. I'm going to be sharing about that next week. And then in two weeks, we are starting at the movies at Church Unlimited. You don't want to miss at the movies. Oh, you guys can get more excited than that. At the movies is awesome. Now, for those of you who don't know, maybe, you, maybe you're brand new here at Church Unlimited, once a year, we turn all of our campuses into movie theaters, and we literally, I teach through a movie. We've got all different movies. I've already shot the first one. It's going to be awesome. It's very, very powerful. The movie's called, no, I'm not going to tell you that. See, I don't do that. No way. You got to come. It's a surprise. Bring a friend, bring a family member, bring a coworker, bring a neighbor, bring an enemy, bring someone. 
It will change your life, I promise you. It's going to be really powerful. It's, it's great. We you walk in, it smells like popcorn everywhere. The atriums are decorated. I mean, it's awesome. It looks like movies. We have like a, like a battle going on between campuses of who can have the most creative atrium. And last year, word, it's, I, it pains me to say this, but last year, Rodfield, you guys won. I mean, last year, your atrium was simply amazing. I know they're going crazy right now that I said that. I know they are. But I want to tell you, Rodfield, we're coming for you, all right? <laughs> we're coming for you. So it's awesome. You don't want to miss it. We decorate all the atriums. It smells like popcorn. You walk in, you can grab popcorn, bring it into the church service. I'm telling you right now, popcorn and Jesus to go really well together. You don't want to miss at the movies. Bring someone with you. They will love it. Even if someone is not into church, I bet they're into movies, okay? And so you're going to want to have them come. We have four great movies. One's a throwback and three new ones as well. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be just simply awesome. So if you really want to change fast, it's real simple. Change your surroundings. Change your friends. And the last one, change what you consume. Change what you consume. Here's what we mean. Now, Daniel was put on a diet from the king, right? Well, he, him and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we don't want to eat that stuff because it, it, it goes against our religion. Now, we've now set aside the food laws of the Old Testament because of the New Testament covenant, okay? Uh, and if you feel led to eat a certain way because God leads you, great, nothing wrong with that. But this is the scripture where we get the Daniel diet. Those of you who don't know, the Daniel diet is basically uh, fruits and vegetables only in water. That's what that is. And there's a lot of people that call themselves vegetarians, but really you're just a Daniel diet person, which you are, okay? And so it can be healthy. It's a great thing. I'm not recommending you have to do that today. Don't, don't leave here in a huff. Well, I want my meat. I understand. We're in South Texas. We kill things around here. I get it. Okay. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is that Daniel was concerned that he didn't want to dishonor his God by what he was consuming. I would say in today's day, what we're consuming that's, that's hurting us isn't the food, although that can be real. I'm not trying to say that. That's not something to think about. But what we're consuming in media is what I believe hurts us, even worse than, than the food. And the food, it can be damaging too. So change what you consume. Here's what Daniel did. I don't have time to read the whole scripture, but let me just tell you this. Daniel went to the guy who was in charge of the food and said, hey, can you just, me and my buddies, this goes against our, our, our faith. Can you just feed us this diet instead? He said, man, the king will kill me if I do that. He said, well, just ask the powers that be if we can do it. Can you just test us for 10 days? So he did. He fed him what Daniel asked for 10 solid days. The king got all the guys together, not just Daniel and his buddies, but all the young men that he had brought over from Israel, and he tested them. He, he quizzed them. First of all, they looked way better. Physically, they looked better. But then also their answers were better. They were just sharper mentally as well as physically. And the king was really impressed and immediately put Daniel and his buddies in charge of the whole kingdom. They were so sharp. Which tells me also, by the way, that if you want to be sharp in this world, don't be like it. Isn't it interesting? So this is kind of funny, but if you really want to succeed in the world, don't listen to him. <laughs> that sounds so funny. Then you're like, what? Basically, you can become great in the world if you'll become great in God. That God will use in a great way. I, I would just think about just examples. I know, like, I mean, honestly, one of the most biggest examples I see is someone who's just, who has really lived out their faith in a way that has really impressed people, touched people's lives in a powerful way, but yet has also gotten the world's attention. I think Tim Tebow is a great example. He's just a good guy. He's not perfect. He makes mistakes too. But what a great example of a guy who just really honored God, and he stood to the test of time because of that, and he's done the right thing. That's a great example. And so you can do this. There's a way to do it. But, but how do you stay to it when you're immersed in the world? you got to consume the right things. Let me just ask you something. Are you listening to stuff constantly on your iPad, I, I, iPhone, uh, or, or iPod that's feeding your mind a bunch of crap and then wondering why your mind's not right? I mean, just honestly, you, you, can't, you can't be, you know, honoring God if you're nonstop listening to Migos and 6 9 It's not going to help you. And I love their music too, like the beat, the sound. I love the sound, but when you say, but I just really like the sound, but then why do you know every lyric perfectly? 
So you're not just getting the sound, you're also getting the content. And I do, I get it. Those of you who say, man, it's just hard to find really good music that's honoring God. I agree, I really agree with you. And I'm always looking out for better stuff. But if you've got some good friends that are trying to honor God, if you ask them what they've found, they'll tell you. And so anytime I find something good, I'm like, hey man, I found it really good. And I'll literally send it to my friends, it's a really cool song, because it's so hard to find good stuff that actually sounds cool and relevant that's also honoring God. And I'm not trying to say everything I listen to is Christian, but I have a line I won't pass. In other words, the world is not going to give you a line. You're going to have to create the line. Does that make sense? You're going to have to find a barrier to stop. The other day I was with my wife and family. We were vacationing. We're in a beach house. And Jessica, she said, hey, uh, let me shower before you do. I was like, okay. She said, just you can watch TV. I was like, okay. So I turned TV and I'm watching. And I was watching a little news and I started flipping channels. And I realized pretty quickly that the channels they had were not the same channels I have in my house. And so as I was going through that, I was like, whoa, oh, okay, whoa, whoa, change it, change it, right? And I realized as I watched for a moment, I was like, wow, it really hit me. Like, if I would have grown up with all of these channels, I would be so jacked up because I'm not that strong. I bet you're not either. And here's the problem. When you see something like that, it makes you desire more of it, not less of it. So it triggers, especially the male mind, it gets triggered from something that is slightly sexual to go want something more sexual. So, it, guys, if, if I can admit this and I'm a pastor, can we just admit that we really can't be feeding on everything the world gives us? It will mess you up. Ladies, no different for you. You've got to think about what you're, what you're feeding on. You've got to be careful there. And so are you, are you creating impossible standards to keep up with, impossible comparisons by these ridiculously over-romantic stuff, and you're like, oh, my husband's a loser. He's nothing like that. Yeah, no man's like that. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't know a single man like that, you know? It's crazy. You know, we, we, we somehow think, you know, that, that you know, your, your man's going to be, you know, whatever, a, a sexy billionaire that happens to have some horrible room attached to his office that, like, is for sex. What? I'm, who does that? <laughs> I mean, if you take away the billions, that's a Criminal Minds episode. What are we doing here? This is... <laughs> the point is this, is that we're creating a standard that no one can keep, man or woman. No one. You just got to know that going in. But I'm going to even go this far. I actually watch a lot of stuff. I don't have those channels in my home uh, because I know I can't handle it. It's not because I'm so, I'm so godly, I wouldn't want to look at this thing. Actually, I'm so ungodly, I would want to look at that. So that's why I know I can't. Does that make sense? And guys, I want to tell you, I succeed sometimes and I fail sometimes because there's stuff everywhere. And so I find myself, sometimes I'm flipping channel, I'll watch some reality TV show, and I'm 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I need to ask Jesus in my heart again. That was horrible. <laughs> how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, wow, how do adults treat each other like that? That's incredible. And so you can get sucked into this stuff. But I found this, I have to actually guard myself even from sitcoms, like just ABC, NBC, CBS stuff, sitcoms, because if you listen to the message they're saying, they're not saying it, but they're showing it. They're basically saying in some episodes, some sitcoms, sex is better if you're not married to someone, it's horrible if you're married to someone. They're actually literally, they're practically saying that. They're saying basically, my life is great. It's like, I mean, how many shows we watch it every single episode, there's another sexual partner and now another one. I'm like, I think there would be like STDs introduced somewhere into this too somewhere. <laughs> We've got this many people going on, right? I mean, it's some, what I'm trying to say is they're, they're, they're pitching what they think will, will grab your heart. Careful what you consume. Now, does this mean we always just, all we need to ever watch is afternoon specials and Christian movies? No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not asking you to become a hermit or a monk, okay? I'm not saying that. Just have a line. Do you have a line somewhere that you just won't cross? I'm not here to determine your line. Have a line. That's all we're trying to say. You know, my, one of my wife's favorite movies, 
is actually pretty violent, and I love it too. It's a great movie. Uh, and and if, you're, if violence really bothers you, you won't like it. But man, the message is so redemptive, it's so powerful. The movie's called Book of Eli. Incredible movie. I don't want to blow the ending, but it's amazingly good. But again, if your violence bothers you, <laughs> you don't want to watch that one. But the message really gripped me and gripped my wife. We were both like, that's incredible. So there are good movies coming out of Hollywood. They're just far and few between, but they do exist. But we have to guard what we listen to, what we're taking in. And the best way to do that is to start feeding on the right things. And so if you've got time to flip through Instagram for an hour and a half, then you've got time to start a Bible study on YouVersion Bible app that takes five minutes a day. I want to encourage you to do this. In fact, you can actually start a streak. Did you know that they have a streak? Like, you, you, you've read the Bible every day for this many days in a row. I mean, isn't it funny? How, I, mean, I know so many young people that want to keep up their Snapchat streaks. Why don't we keep up our YouVersion Bible app streak? I want to encourage you to start one because it'll feed your mind the right things. Uh, Friday, I had an opportunity. There's a friend of mine at church, and I'll, I'll close on this. A friend of mine at church here uh, named Brian Pebbles. He's a great guy. Him and his wife are amazing people. She's on our staff. Um, he is in the Secret Service. So he said to me, hey, you know, every once in a while, the president or vice president or, you know, some dignitary will come to South Texas, and then I'm in charge to protect them, that kind of thing. Would you be interested ever in, in, in meeting them? I was like, yeah, of course. That would be really cool. So he, he, he says to me last week, he goes, hey, no one really knows yet because they keep it quiet for security reasons, but Vice President Pence is coming to town this week. I was like, oh, no way. He goes, would you like to meet him? I was like, of course. I'd, I'd be honored to meet him. And, uh, but I want to say this real quick. I'd be honored to meet either vice president from this administration or the last one, or the president from this administration or the last one, because I want to honor our leaders, whether I voted for them or not, okay? And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to meet them, of course, right? So, but what's cool about this is that Mike Pence happens to be a very outspoken Christian. I don't know if you knew that about him, but if you do the research on him and his wife, they're very outspoken believers. So like, that'd be really cool. I'd love to meet him. So sure enough, we got to go do that. And so they put us in the front of the, the line. Me and a buddy went, and uh, a pastor buddy of mine named Zach White, that's me and Zach in front of Air Force Two. And uh, Zach's a buddy, uh, he pastors a great church called Revolution Church in San Antonio, on the east side of San Antonio, which by the way, if you live anywhere near that off 35, you should go to this church. It won't offend us. We want you to go there. It's a great place. I love Pastor Zach. I would be honored for you to go to their church. But I will tell you, we went, we had so much fun, and uh, we, we got to meet Vice President Pence and, uh, and his wife, and uh, anyways, they're, they're just going through like a line of people. But then after the crowd kind of faded out and he went to do his business because he was going to, um, to, to check out the border and, and just inspect that. So he went to do that. So while they're going to do that, my buddy says, hey, they're giving a small tour to about 10 or 15 people on Air Force Two. Would you like to do that? We're like, again, heck yeah. Why would we not want to do this, right? So we go on Air Force Two. I, I don't have any pictures. They won't allow you to do that for security reasons. But as we walk in, they show us where, the, where different people sit. And you walk by this office, and it's, it's the vice president's office. He's, he has a mobile office, so he can do business while he's in, this, in the skies. And so we walk by, and they said, well, you're not allowed to go in, but the door's open. You're welcome to peek in. So me and my buddy, we walk by, and we stop, and we look in. And as he's talking about it, we notice my buddy's, hey, check that out. Look, look, look right there. The only book on Vice President Mike Pence's desk that day was the one-year Bible. Look, you don't even have to be Republican to appreciate that. The, fact that. the fact that any of our leaders at that level are reading the Word of God should bring great comfort to you. In the same way, if we'll get in the Word of God, we can grow our leadership as well. Consume the right things, and it will help change your life. And the best thing of all is God's Word. Feed on it. It really can change you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we take a moment to pray today? I want to encourage you. You want to change? You want to change fast? Change your surroundings. Change your friends. Change what you 
consume. Which one of those is the struggle for you? One of them we all struggle with. Which one? Is it your surroundings? Are you just around the wrong people? Do you need to make a hard call? Maybe you need to literally change jobs because the environment just is ruining your marriage, just ruining your faith, just ruining you. Maybe for you, it's your friends that you've just been hanging out with one person that's really wrecking you. Maybe you've tethered yourself to this person in such a way that you're dating them and they're just not that serious about God. Well, that's going to pull you down. I want to encourage you to do the hard thing and end that. You say, Pastor, are you literally telling me to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? We, we love each other. I've been with this person a long time. So let me ask you something. Is length of, mis- of a mistake no longer a mistake? I want to encourage you, you're wasting your and their time if it's not God's best. So yes, I'm encouraging you to do that. I proudly have broken up hundreds of people across South Texas. And many of them come back to me later, years later, and say, thank you for telling me the truth because now I'm with who God wanted me to be with all along. I love that. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe it's not a friend. Maybe for you it's changing what you're consuming. Maybe you're going to the wrong websites, watching the wrong movies, have the wrong channels, wrong music. Maybe your favorite band is really not helping you at all. Time to make a hard decision. God, help me to consume your truth and not lies. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you want to change us from within. And thank you that the ultimate change is in a relationship with Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can pray and receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can pray, pray it out loud. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.